Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. You're here. You are here and on a Thursday. On a Thursday. Thursday. What's what's happy? What's what's good about Thursday? It's the downside of the week. Wednesday is the hump day. Thursday is the downside. I never like that. That's that that terminology. There was that commercial though with the camel walking through the office. Yeah, I know, but it was it funny. Doesn't move the needle for me. I thought it was funny. I like the camel. Yeah, it's Thursday, and we're here. And the other good thing about Thursday is we're another day closer to Sunday, where we get to be back together as a church family. And it's National Waffle Day. Waffle Day, August twenty fourth. So does that mean I need to have trouble making decisions today? That, that's an, that's one application, and I think that would be suitable. Uh, perhaps another one could be maybe have a waffle or two. Okay, in honor of waffles. My kids like waffles. Ego waffles. Those are big. I mean, yeah, those. I used to eat those all the time. Yep. And uh, what, what do you call those things with the frosting on top? You put them pop tarts. Pop tarts. That's yep. the one. Used to have those. Oh, <gasps> do you remember? So I was a school lunch kid. I don't know about you, but I was a school lunch kid. They had some of the best, what did you call them? French toast sticks? Oh, I, I do remember those. for those. Yep. I would beg my friends, are you going to eat all those? Let yep. me have that thing. Man, the French toast sticks, I could I could eat that right now. My school would also underbake their cookie just a little bit, and you could get two cookies for like 50 cents, and oh. they were they were like amazing. Mm. They probably had salmonella and everything else, but- Doesn't matter. It's worth they it. They were good. Hashtag worth it. Pop tarts, favorite flavor. One, two, three, go. Strawberry. No. Okay. Brown sugar and cinnamon. Oh, that one's good too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know what? Maybe s'mores. Actually, now that I think about it, s'mores. No, you're wrong. S'mores. Brown sugar and cinnamon. You know what? It's also it's National Knife Day, so you want to get you want to get knifey. Knifey. I I don't have my knife with me today. I do. I've got a multi tool in my bag. Okay. But I don't have my. Let's fight this out like men then. My knife. Which pop tart's gonna win? Well. Here's another question. The edge of the Pop-Tart, the unfrosted part. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Of course not. It tastes awful. No, I actually like it. You I, but, would. You would. But here's the thing. I feel like it's a separate dish from the rest of the, the pastry because- it doesn't taste good. No, because it's, like it, it's the good. The vegetables you have to eat at the it's, end of the meal. I, I eat around the perimeter of the Pop-Tart and enjoy the edge without the frosting. That's weird. And then I eat the Pop-Tart because here's what I don't like. I don't like the edge with the rest of the Pop-Tart. Because it throws off the balance you of know the pastry to the frosting. It's the same thing, though. Like, it's all made of the same stuff. No, it throws off the balance. Okay. It's good by itself, and then it's good when it has frosting on it and the, the interior part of the Pop-Tart. We will settle this before the end of National Knife Day. Well, we'll see. <laughs> if tomorrow's episode just starts with one of us and not the other one, then you'll know who won. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're in uh, we're in the book of Psalms again, and hey, we have a brand new section of Psalms. We have a new category of Psalms. Wow, something we haven't seen before. Yep. These are the songs of ascents. Mm. So this is all about how they smelled when they were singing them. Mm. Nope. Nope. That's not it. Nope. No. The songs of ascents were songs that were sung as they were ascending. Oh. What were they ascending? They were ascending like Mount Zion. Track. Like they were just being. Yes. Beat me up. Beat me up, Scotty. Ascending. Yeah, no, they were ascending the uh, the the trail up to to the temple to Mount Zion, and so no matter where you came from in Israel, you would always have to go up to Jerusalem. So as they were going up, they would sing these to prepare themselves for worship, and that's a, an interesting thought. Preparing for worship, Pastor Rod, you are our worship leader currently. That I am, 
And uh, that's th- correct. W- this is an opportunity. Why don't you speak to that concept of how do we prepare ourselves well for worship as we are going to church? Well, I, man, I'm not prepared for this, but I have 37 things that you can do pre- okay. to prepare for worship. So top five. Your seat, but top five. Oh, okay. Number one, Sunday worship starts on Saturday. Okay. I would say get to bed at a good time to prepare yourself to be fully alert and awake to serve the Lord well. Number two, what's Pastor PJ preaching? I would meditate and marinate on that passage before you get to church so that you're able to be uh, almost like you're warmed up for the for the this the work which you can find online at this weekend at Compass. Exactly what I was going to get to. You can already see the the application questions. You can interact with the text a little bit, kind of figure out what Pastor PJ might be going. Number three, we also have our set list pre. Uh, oh, I haven't done that yet. Actually, <laughs> as I'm saying this, oh no, you will have by the time I, this by goes the out. time this comes out, the set list will be on our Spotify playlist where you can hear the music that we're going to sing that weekend. You could be ready to go so that by the time you get to church, you're ready. You're mentally ready. You're you're spiritually ready. You're physically ready because you got to bed on time. You had a great breakfast with the family. You prayed it up, and then you went to service. And man, I promise you, you do that, you're going to get far more out of Sunday than you ever got before. So, are you telling me you put intentional thought behind the songs that we sing each week, and they're not just like, well, we have a this one in a while so let's sing this one well i won't deny that that does play a role but that's not the only role yes there's lots of thought that goes into all that we do on a weekend service and yeah i think both of us try really hard to prepare something that is a, a helpful meal to the flock so come ready and come ready to, to enjoy it yeah I, I would say can i just suggest this come on time come oh, on yeah, time. that's a good one i mean our service starts at 10 and uh man I, I i know what it's like to to get to church and drop off your kids and you know you're, you're trying to get your cup of coffee you're trying to make sure everything's going on i i get it i i, I do but uh, man we start at 10 and the the beginning of our service with the the first song that we sing is significant to us just like the last song that we sing or just like the sermon is or just like the the prayer time is it, it, it all is an act of it's an it's our offering to the lord and so being present, being on time is, uh, is a good thing. It's a good thing. So, well, good. Sorry. I threw that at you last minute, but I was just thinking, man, they were preparing for worship. How do we prepare for worship? And that's what they're doing in these Psalms as they're going on. And so as you read these Psalms, it kind of gives you that frame perspective and it helps you understand like he's talking about being in distress, but going to visit the Lord in Psalm 120 and how that's a comfort to him. He says, woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech in uh, verse five, or that I dwell in the tent of Kedar. Now those are interesting because those were on polar opposite ends from each other. And so it's not as though those are right next door to each other. So what is he saying? Well, he's saying, even when I'm as far away as I possibly could conceive of being from Jerusalem right now, mm. he says, you know, that's, he says, that's, that's the problem that I'm, I, I face at times and I long to be near the Lord. I want to be in Jerusalem. I'm for peace. But when I speak there for war, in other words, I'm around people that aren't my people. I want to go to Jerusalem. And that's kind of 120 there. 121 then um another song that they were singing on the way up he says i, like I lift up my eyes to the hills mm-hmm. yeah to what hill well to mount zion primarily i think is that the main category here although some have said maybe this is hills in a foreboding sense that the hills could have represented a place of danger Military could have been yeah false gods yeah and he asked the question where does my help come from my help comes from the lord who made the heavens and earth and made the hills he's the one yeah that's greater than the, any danger that could be there so that hope that that fixation there but verse three he will not let your foot be moved he who keeps you will not slumber wow god never sleeps so Thank god what about the the psalms that we've already read though where they're saying awake god awake rise yourself mm, get up interesting what are you doing 
It's a contradiction. You should rip these out of your Bible. Yep. Bible's false. That's what we're thinking, right? Here's what it says. Is that, the, is that what you're throwing? No. No? No. No. The, in, in the psalmist is writing from his human perspective going, okay, God, you're not doing what I want you to do. And so I'm asking you to rouse yourself to wake up because in my mind, even though I know it's not true, it seems like maybe you're slumbering. Right. Um, but he doesn't sl- sleep or slumber. I'm, I'm reminded of Elijah and the prophets of Baal mm. when Elijah's like, maybe he's taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Scream louder. Scream louder, right? Cut yourself harder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or he's maybe he's on the toilet. Maybe he's on the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Verse eight, the Lord will keep your going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Uh, that song of confidence. Yeah. One, one verse that stood out to me, Pastor PJ, verse five, and I never appreciated it more than being here in Texas. Mm. Can you guess why? Mm, shade. The shade, man. I was looking like, oh, I get it now. The shade on my right hand. I and mean, if I stay out in the sun for too long, I, I'm going to die. And that's like, that's not even hyperbole. Yeah. <laughs> you stay out in the sun for too long, you're probably going to end up in heat stroke at minimum, if right. not total death uh, entirely. Uh, but the idea here, the Lord, uh, Yahweh is the one who keeps, protects. He, he's Shamgars or not Shamgar. Uh, man. I just, I just had the Hebrew in my mind. Uh, Shamar, that's what, Shamar. He shamars you. He's the one who protects, guards, keeps keeps watch over you. And he one of the ways he does that is that he's the one who protects, shades you um, on your right hand, the hand of privilege, the hand of favor. So I, I appreciate that so much more now after being here in Texas. So thank God for Texas and Psalm 121 verse five. There you go. Yeah, and yet why, why? It's, it's like a bad thing to throw shade these days. It is, but that's, but that's because it's like a, well, okay, we could talk about yeah. about Gen Z <laughs> lingo. Slang. We already did that, right? We did, and we yeah. were practicing some of it now. Yeah. I hope our Gen Z listeners appreciate that we've become all things to all people. No cap, man. We're keeping it 100. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> bussing. Also, I'm glad that you corrected your Hebrew because I know so many people already had the email prepped. They're like, oh, it's not Shamgar. It's not I'm going to light him up right one of the now. judges. I knew that wasn't him. I just couldn't remember the actual word. <laughs> Shamar, I got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Psalm 122 then. How about the, the opening here? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Hey, is that your response in the morning on Sunday when your uh, your alarm goes off? Mm, depends on what time the alarm goes off. Right, right, yeah. But I was joyful when they said, to, let's go. Let's go to the temple. Let's go up to Jerusalem. And uh, man, that that's that should be our hopefully our heart's mindset. We get to go worship. We get to go worship together as a, as a church family. I get stoked about that. Um, there's a, a country song. It's because you're the pastor. Uh, that's true. It's your but, church. Yeah, that's fair. No, it's God's church. But there's a country song that, uh, that goes, these are my people is the, the chorus. <laughs> this is where I come from. And, uh, sing it for us again. I, I, don't think I, I can't right now. You can Google it, <laughs> Google it on the YouTubes. It'll come up. Um, it's bussing. Yeah. But, uh, that, that song was just running through my mind all day on Saturday. I kept singing it. And my wife looked at me funny one day at one point on Saturday. She was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, like I'm excited about Sunday. Like these are our people. Mm. Like this is, this is our family. Like we get mm. to go hang out and be with our church family and worship God. And that's exciting. That is exciting. 123 then, our eyes look to the Lord our God. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look to the master, the eyes of the maidservant to the mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Just that subject humility that comes with an appropriate attitude of worship. As we prepare ourselves, we go humbly before the Lord to hear from him. I think it's also a good point about focus. Yes. Where are your eyes? What are you focusing on when affliction rises? So I think it's helpful to see ourselves as the servant looking to our master or the maidservant looking to the mistress. We look to the Lord in all seasons, but especially and particularly those that are most challenging. Yes. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 into 1 Corinthians chapter 6 today, and it's a, a, a chapter division there, but really it, it, it's 
kind of an interesting chapter division because he ended with talking about judging. And he said in chapter five, hey, look, why are you worried about outsiders judging you? Are you judging outsiders? Let God judge those outside. You need to handle your matters in-house is what he's writing to the church. You need to judge one another. You guys need to handle things in, inside the walls of the church here. But then he gets to number six and he says, or chapter six, and he says, but hey, you know what you don't need to do? You don't need to, to get into the law courts, believer suing believer, believer bringing grievance against believer and dragging the church through the mud in a, in a public spectacle where you're going to be uh, putting on display in, in letting worldly judges rule on matters that really should be dealt with amongst brothers and sisters in Christ within the walls of the church. And so this is an important principle for us today, too. In fact, I, I talked with a brother back in California not too long ago who was going through a difficult situation with a uh, another member of the church who it was a, a sin that took place outside the walls of the church in a business deal that had had gone south and he came to me and it had cost this brother some money and it, it had it had been a, a liability to him he was like i i don't know what to do because of this passage right here in first corinthians chapter six mm. he said i don't want to go after him and and you know drag this into the courts it, maybe this should be dealt with in the within the walls of the church and those are going to be case by case situations it's not to say this never is a situation where we need to have the justice system set step in and do what it needs to do but i think we need to first and foremost say can we handle this within the church Right. And, and I think that the point that Paul's trying to make here is that within the church, you have storehouses of wisdom. You have people that have the spirit of God who have been given wisdom for the very purpose of settling conflicts between believers. Right. And that qualification is important. They're believers. If you have two Christians who ultimately love the Lord, their God, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and their neighbors themselves, there should be a pretty common ground that both could figure out. Yeah. So that's the failure that we don't want to to exert or rather to exemplify. We want to have that victory in Christ, uh, employing the wisdom of the body for the, for this harmony of believers. Yeah. And at one point there, he says, Hey, you're going to eventually be judging the, the, the angels. You're going to be what? judging in the, the millennial kingdom. What are we judging angels for? That's a good question. That's a good, well, can you just tell me now then? <laughs> I, I wish I could. Thank you for acknowledging the yeah, goodness that, of it. No, that's a, that's Give me a the good, answer. That's a good question. <laughs> I, I think, judging in the sense of, of providing wisdom, just, you know, direction, so forth and to so on. angels, bro. To angels. Can you imagine angels? That? No. They've been around far longer than we have. I and can't. we're going to be like, hey, I'm your supervisor, bro. Come over here. Let <laughs> yeah. me tell you how to do things, hey. kid. Hey, Michael. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> Gabriel, get over here. Yeah. But in verse nine, he says, he contrasts this and he, he says, so if that's the, if that's the case, if we're going to be judging angels, why are you allowing the unrighteous who aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God? Why are you allowing them to settle your disputes for you? Mm. And then he says, don't be deceived. And he lists all of these different people that aren't going to inherit the kingdom of, of God, the idolaters, the sexually immoral, the adulterers. Okay. Parents time out for a second, just letting you know, giving you a heads up. I want to deal with this next term here because it has come under fire in our culture recently. And so you may want to remove little ears from the podcast for a minute. What age? Uh, man, I, if, if you've had the, 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 the talk with your the kids, birds and the, bees the birds talk? and the bees talk, maybe I, I guess at that point you could proceed, but I'm okay. going to leave it up to your own discretion. All right. Okay. So Paul, with all that said, Paul uses the word men who practice homosexuality. Okay. Mm. Um, there's there's two concepts here. There's the the passive, which is um, one term, and malakoi in the Greek, and then there's the 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 active um, homosexual partner there. And so the word here is the the malakoi, and some have said, well, this is having to do with what's called pedastry, which is which was the the homosexual relationship between a grown man and a, a young younger child. And so some have said this is not a monogamous committed relationship between two men 
of the same sex, right? And so Paul's not condemning homosexuality as much as he's condemning, you know, this act of pedastry there. Here's one massive issue with that. There was a word in, in the Greek for pedastria or however you pronounce that, that Paul could have used and he chose not to use that. And so because of, of that, this is a situation where both are condemned, the passive partner and the active partner are both condemned here. And so this is not a situation where we can point to this and say, well, this is not two committed relationships. This is more of a, a rape situation that's taking place here. Mm-hmm. This is a condemnation of the act of homosexuality. And so as you hear the culture try to soften this and, and spin it, don't don't give in or don't, don't give ground to that because that's not what the text bears out when we actually study the, the context there. Super important that in verse nine, when Paul says, don't be deceived, Christian, you should recognize then that you can be deceived right this is potential so that's why he has to say this in the first place there is a part of us that wants to empathize and even to love people who possess these qualities and that's a good that's a good inclination that's the spirit of god working within us we should love people like this and all kinds of people for that matter however as paul says here don't be deceived it's not just because you have compassion for someone who acts out a certain sin tendency doesn't mean that that automatically qualifies them to be heaven bound and just to clarify one quick thing that Pastor PJ says, the, 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 the section there that says, nor men who practice homosexuality, those are two words. Right. That's, that's one phrase, homosexuality, but there's two words that underlie that, which refer to both the passive and active partner in that union, which gives you the sense of, okay, neither one is innocent here, even if whatever imagination might take you. Just get that under, under your belt there. Homosexuality, that word, there's two terms underneath that for the passive and active partner. Right. Yeah, which the ESV just uses one word to translate. Right. Yep. Yeah, and your your Bible may have a footnote about that as well. I know mine does. It has a little six next to it that takes me down to a footnote that explains that. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, but that was a helpful clarification too. And his point there in verse 11 is, and that's not who you are. Such were some of you. You you were guilty just like they're guilty and you needed Christ just like they need Christ. But now you've been washed and you've been sanctified and you've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. In other words, you're different. So don't, there, there should be a difference here. And that's where the rest of the chapter goes, specifically dealing with sexual immorality. Because this is not who you were or who, who you are, but who you were rather, right. don't live this way anymore. And he really points out this sin of sexual immorality and he, he points out the, 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 the gravity of it because it can be this thing that's in secret or hidden or behind closed doors that we think is, is no big deal. And he's saying it, it, is, it is a massive deal because it, in this act of sexual immorality, you're joining Christ to a, a prostitute and you might think, wow, I would never, ever do that. But if we belong to Christ, if we are members of the body of Christ, and then we join ourselves, the two become one flesh there. He quotes from, from Genesis. It's a union that is tantamount to, to bringing Christ into that relationship, not causing Christ to sin, but to, to joining him in that, that act. And that should cause shivers to run down our, our spine to say, may that never be. Meganoita. Um, Right, Meganoita. Um, and so he says then in verse 18, flee from sexual immorality for every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. I think what he means here is when you think about sexual immorality, uh, these, these other sins, drunkenness, murder, things like that, there's a, there's a tool that's used to accomplish the sin that's external to us. But here he's saying sexual immorality is sinned against the body, I think, because the body is the primary tool that's engaged and used and applied Mm -hmm. to the sin of sexual immorality. That's not a a hard, fast 
take it to the bank interpretation, but that's one possibility that I think does fit the the context here. Yeah. I've typically heard this preached as when you sin against your own body, the damage that you do affects primarily. I mean, I guess this is true for a lot of sins. So maybe this is wrong, even as I'm saying this out loud. I mean, you're, you're, you're co-opting, you're taking over your, your brain's chemistry, your dopamine receptors. And even now, now the more that we know about neurology, the more that we see, wow, sins like this are really devastating for the one who commits it because of what happens biochemically um, with the with the other party, the, the the connection chemicals and all the stuff that happens. It's it's primarily a sin against yourself. But maybe to your point, maybe it is just a matter of just saying, well, you're using your physical members to do something so grievous. Yeah. And then he goes on in verse 19, he says, because that, that body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom wow. you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's a, a, a big problem that was facing the church there in Corinth. And uh, chapter five was an example. He goes, he continues on it in chapter six to expand upon this, just generally speaking about sexual immorality, saying this is a problem. And here's the principles to, to why we need to fight it so hard. One quick note here in verse 19, uh, your body is a temple. We often use that when we talk about like uh, Christian inspiration, fit influencers, that kind of thing. Um, it's yours all body, y- y'all's. It's y'all's. y'all's body is a temple of the Holy all Spirit. All y'all's bodies. Y'all's, right. All y'all's. Uh, so even though there is individual application, Paul's pointing this at the corporate gathering of believers. He's saying all of you guys are the temple. The Holy Spirit resides within you all, yep. which is different than saying you individually. It's not, it's not the totally opposite, totally different, but it's worth noting that he's talking to all of them. It is. It is. Well, hey, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope it's been beneficial to you and we'll catch you guys again tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.